This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hey, friendships. Welcome to What Day Is It, a.k.a. your digital version of Happy Hour. I'm Bailey. And I'm Jackie. And we're here to bring you that perfect balance of juicy pop culture gossip mixed with valuable AF conversations to level up your life. Think of us as your digital BFFs, bringing you 100% realness. Yeah, none of that BS. So get ready to laugh, learn, relate, and celebrate not having it all together. P.S. It's not drinking alone if you're listening to What Day Is It. Emotion-focused therapy is one where we're kind of actually targeting the emotions first, and we're going to kind of like branch out that way. And so it sort of is, is based on this notion that if we can target some of the emotional components of living, of, of the way that like life happens, then we can actually just naturally change some of our thoughts or change some, some of our circumstances. Um, and so it's really about building awareness. Uh, from CBT perspective, it's really about thoughts and how can we kind of like track our thoughts and like kind of use our thoughts to really influence that change. Whereas emotionally focused therapy uh, in a couple's dynamic or in the individual context, it's really just sort of about like, how can we actually just really recognize emotions for the role that they play in our lives? Friendships. Bailey has some hesitation on her face. I know you can't see her, but she is looking distressed to share this story. But I have been waiting till she got back from New York to finally hear what happened when she went on Watch What Happens Live. And we are skipping a shower thought. You make it sound like I'm a celebrity. Like I was you, a guest. I was in the audience. Let's get clear. Well, you made you made a lasting imprint. That's for sure on the one and only Andy Cohen. So we're skipping a shower thought. We are diving right into the story. Bailey, give us the story because your girl's been waiting far too long now. Oh my God. I was so drunk, you guys. I've literally had people DM saying, <laughs> sounds so rude, but they're like, I don't listen to the podcast, but I'll be listening to find out what happened. Oh my god, how dare you? If you're listening just to find out, how dare you? I know. At least go hit the subscribe button right now, please. <laughs> Leave us a review for the story. Help me feel better about my life. Um, I should have known this, to be totally honest, because when you watch Andy Cohen, he just gives it like it is. He, has he is just straightforward. Yeah, like he's spicy. Like I would not want to be interviewed by him, to be totally honest. And so... The magical day came around and we were going for dinner with, um, so I was traveling with my friends Delaney and Clayton and then we were, I had another friend in New York, Rachel and Ashley Maleo, who's been on our podcast and is actually a housewives kid from Real Housewives of New Jersey, you might remember her, um, was meeting us for dinner because she was going to come with us to the show. So we went for dinner at 630 We had to be at the clubhouse for nine. So we had some time for dinner. Like we wanted to not be rushed. And we ordered, I think I had like four cocktails at dinner. Meanwhile, I'm getting texts from Bailey throughout this. Like I can tell she's progressively getting more drunk and more drunk. And I'm loving it. I'm living for it. I'm living vicariously through her. But I know the more drunk she gets, the more likelihood of her asking the most inappropriate question is to Andy Cohen. Honestly, Jackie, this is all your fault. So we, Rachel ordered my last cocktail, which was a horrible idea because her and I at this point were kind of sharing one. Um, And then, yeah, because Clayton had also gotten a bottle of wine for the table. And so I had a glass of wine and a cocktail going and Ray didn't have a cocktail. So she was sharing the cocktail. That's a mix for a a drunk. I know. I know. Should have had more self-awareness. But you know when you get excited, you're like, let's go. I'm ready, baby. So we did that. And then we get to the clubhouse. They take us backstage. I definitely am feeling like buzzed at this point, like a good tipsy. Then they offer us a margarita. Can I say no to a margarita? No. No one can. I probably should have, but I didn't. Um, so they bring us a margarita. Also, I would like to note that they give us like the VIP treatment because we went in on the there's two, I guess, holding levels. And we went to on the level where the guests go. So like Jennifer was walking in and Gertie was walking in and Andy was right there. And Delaney and I literally just stood there and like looked at each other. And then we like jumped up and down like little five-year-olds. Like literally it was so... I love that though. That's so fun. <laughs> we were so giddy. There was like mazel signs. There was like the step and repeat wall where everyone takes photos. And then 
they walk us in and usher us into the clubhouse and I sit down and I'm like fuck I'm drunk like this is not gonna go well and the whole trip I would like to say that Delaney and I were trying to come up with questions for Andy because we knew that before they start taping that we get to do like a little Q&A they kind of prepped us for that and so I told Delaney and Clayton the question that Jackie wanted me to ask the infamous what day is it question immediately no from can we share the it was a very for the people who are listening that don't normally listen can we share the question (laughs) it was a would you rather and it is the infamous one that we ask our guests when we travel um and it's would you rather watch your parents have sex every day for the rest of your life or join in once to make it stop when i get drunk i definitely like have a less of a filter like everybody but i just wait way less i find it funny way less (laughs) I find it funny to ask these a little bit more inappropriate questions. And I think for me, it's like not such a brash question anymore because we've asked it so many times. And it also has like like white noise to us. It has a branding content to me or context to me. (laughs) So I think to me, it just makes more sense. So Bailey texts me and says, Delaney and Clayton immediately said no to me asking that question to Andy. And I'm like, ha 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 ha. I'm not even surprised because it's such a jarring inappropriate question so in but in my mind i'm thinking like he he likes a good a little spice like he's not really like he's a person who would kind of i could read that he would be okay with the question sober still it's definitely out there um so but we were trying to think of other ones and i was like they just sound so i just think in my mind that this question is completely out of the game like if delaney and clayton said they're not comfortable with it then bailey's not gonna ask it okay can continue on bailey (laughs) So we're in the clubhouse and sitting in the audience and you guys, it's very intimate. Like there's two rows and then in front of the two rows, there's like the two guests who are like usually the husbands of the housewives or Ashley was sitting up there obviously because she's been on Bravo and we're literally right behind them. And then there's like a row of maybe eight people behind us. So there's maybe like 20 people in total in this audience and Andy comes out and I'm so drunk and I literally like put my hand out we touched hands and he's I can already tell that like he's gonna hate me um or he's like thinks that I'm like the crazy woman who's starstruck which 100% was why do you think he was hating you from touching hands no I I lie I don't think he was hating me but I think he could just tell that I was crazy (laughs) um and then he's like so anybody have any questions and he was making eye contact with me so what do I do I'm just like yeah sure I was like how spicy are you willing to go and he goes, spicy. I'm like, well, how did you not get that reference? I'm like, yeah, spicy. And he's like, I'll go spicy. I was like, will I get kicked out of the clubhouse? He goes, no. So then I ask him the question. And his face, it's like, I need to find a meme because he's definitely made this face before. Like, kind of, it was the face in the trailer when Jen Shaw doesn't know her charges. Like, like it's a stupid, <laughs> like, like you're it, stupid. It, like it's appalled but like like is, some, is something dumb, wrong like, with you are you okay kind of yeah. kind of it was maybe a little more grossed out than dumb and he goes oh he goes he did say it was a good question what was though. i what will was say the that. audience did, did anyone was there any like i don't know i was not dude there was no self-awareness for myself you think i knew what other okay. people were thinking yeah. um he did say it was a good question though oh okay and th- but then he goes i guess watch okay and then like people were asking questions a lot about housewives i will say ray asked if she could do a shot ski and he just flat out declined her so like that made me feel a little bit better delaney asked a would or a fuck mary kill and he because she said would you fuck mary kill any out of any of the current housewives what would you choose and he goes that's not a true fuck mary kill and just ignored it so like was it just me getting some sass um but then there was like people stopped asking questions and like drunk me just jumps in with some more questions and I can't even remember one that I asked it was like a housewives one um and he answered it and then was he being like cool with you or was he being could you tell he was like Kate this drunk girl needs to stop asking questions this is where I knew he wanted me to stop asking questions (laughs) so it was like I didn't realize how close they were to starting to film but it was like he was just standing there and I go Andy have you ever been to Canada not a bad question and he goes yeah I've been and I go oh where have you been and he goes Toronto Ontario so he says it like that he says Toronto Ontario 
And then he goes, Calgary, Winnipeg. And I go, those are two different places. And he goes, I know. And I was like, and we shut up. <laughs> but it's like you said, in my mind, I understood why I said it. But like, he did not. I could just yeah, tell. He was like, get. Like, even Ray sitting beside me. Because even she was like, in my ear, like, what? And no, she was like, Winnipeg. Like, why have you been to Winnipeg? <laughs> Sorry, all our Winnipegians. Um, and then she looked at me after and I was like, it's like when the teacher okay. gets mad at the student for correcting <laughs> them. And then the show started and I was like, I'm not saying another word. <sighs> okay. Ever again. I thought it was way worse. I'm glad. I thought he was like completely done with you after the most inappropriate question ever. He did. I don't know what the term was, but at some point he did say, oh, we have a, a blop. I think it's like, an, a, I don't know. It's a term I don't know, but it means just like someone who is like saying anything. <laughs> so... Like you were the, he what is the term? The blup? No, I don't know oh. what it was. I said the blup. Like, I don't know what he actually called me. Oh, he called I, you. A, I didn't hear. I mean, hey, yeah. Andy Cohen gave you a name. After I, asked, I think it was after the Canadian question, but. <sighs> like you saying to the producers, Honestly, like we've got a, we've got a one of those. No, I think he just said it like under his breath, like people, but like Delaney heard. Aww. You know what though? It's by Andy Cohen. Like, whatever. So. Whatever. Whatever. You know what? It could have been worse, 100. Um, percent I just will never go there with alcohol in my system ever. Again. Or will you ever be invited back? No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> We're gonna try when we go in May. Hopefully, you might have to reach out and not tell them secretly. <laughs> I'm bringing my friend Haley Stansworth. <laughs> Haley Steinberg. Steinberg. What was it? The dog? When I yeah reached yeah. out to that kennel. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like something that we talk about in this episode is trauma blocking and I'm going to do that for that. <laughs> okay. This episode though, we didn't even intro it at the beginning, but I could have talked to Jake for hours. I had so many questions. I wanted to continue the conversation. We'll just have to have him back on, but you guys, we are diving into everything therapy today and where to even start different, the main different therapy modalities and what's best suited for certain personalities. And I feel like it's a very informative episode if you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed by the, by therapy right now. Yeah. We talk about how to break up with your therapist. If you find one that you don't like, there's honestly, like Jackie said, we could have kept talking for so long. There's so much value in this episode and we'll probably do at some point, like a part two, but a Q and a, so you can ask Jake your questions. And yeah, I think this is just kind of like, um, like an intro to therapy in a way, like obviously it's not a therapy session, but if you're someone who is looking to get into therapy or hasn't been in it for like a long time, this is a great episode to listen to before kind of taking that next step. Might help you feel a little more at ease. So yeah, I said it in this episode, I wanted this to be a tool to find the best suited therapist for you. Because from my experience, I know how hard it is to find one. And Bailey and I use different modalities and we've talked about it with each other and the space is so overwhelming. So I just wanted a one-stop shop for where to start. And I really think this is it. Jake even shares the number one thing that creates success for therapy and it might not be what you think it is. So listen and with that, I'm going to shut up and never be able to watch a housewife show the same again repent your sins for bad blood with andy cohen honestly there i just you guys i i struggle with anxiety so bad and i'm sure like literally my friends i've had to do this for friends before where they have to like console me or i've had to like console them and they're like it's not as bad as like you're internalizing it but maybe that's what we need to talk about jake what maybe that's what we need to talk to jake about next time because i struggle with this so much and Maybe I this is a sign I need to stop drinking alcohol or something, but I don't think I have a problem with it. I just think I need to learn how to not. <laughs> no, I feel you. I, I drank way know. too much on Friday and I had so much anxiety Saturday about what things it's I said just or a did. Thing, you know? And then but you're exactly what you just said. I had to literally remind myself of when friends, for example, black out or have too much to drink and how I don't view them any differently or think negatively about what they said. Like that is never the case. And if you have friends like that, then they're not your friends. But it's a good reminder because you don't judge your friends and they're drunk. So why would they judge you? It's the thing okay. is when I'm usually like the friend on that, on the other side of it, 
I love what they're doing. It makes Me really too. good memories. Like it's, Me too. it's kind of the reasons why I loved that person. Like they're just being kind of a more exaggerated version of themselves and like uninhibited. And I don't ever yeah. judge them for it. But then when it's you, holy fuck, it just hits hard. I know. I know. But anyways, we'll get to this uh, episode and let's do a poll on who gets anxiety so I can feel better. Yeah, I will do that. Okay, okay friendships. Cool. Enjoy the episode. Jake, we're going to kick this off with an icebreaker. We do this with every guest. And I thought of this one really quickly last minute. If you could do a therapy session with any celebrity alive or dead, who would it be and why? Oh my God, stop. I literally just answered a question similar to this with someone that I'm really close with. Um, and my dream therapy client is Oprah fucking Winfrey. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? Ooh. I would want to just like, like she, for a living, she lives on the other side of the chair, just like I do. Um, and I think it would just be so like that cool would, to just I feel like it would be for sure a good um, one too, because she's so like, aware yeah, Oprah, like, and has on? talked about openly about things. So I feel like, I like it'd be that. a really deep session, but a really good one. Yeah, it would be like transformative. I would be like transformed by her through her. And like, it would just be so good. It'd be amazing. Okay, before we dive into all the questions kind of around therapy, can you just sort of explain exactly what you do in relation to therapy and your credentials and all of that good stuff? Yeah, totally. So I am a therapist, baby. I am like a flat out like therapy nerd meets like, I just love to just jam about like life and help people kind of unpack some heavy shit. Um, I am a social worker by training, by my background. Um, and so that means that I, it's different than psychology. And, and so I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not any of those things. Psychologists, um, of course, are able to diagnose and assess um, and assign uh, mental health diagnoses to people. But as a social worker and as a therapist, like that's not necessarily something that I'm interested in. And it's also just not part of my training. Uh, whereas a psychiatrist, they uh, prescribe medication. So um, I would say those that's the main distinction between the three of them. But um, so as a social worker and a social worker who's a therapist, I we kind of look at the world through the lens of like the environment. So who's the person in the context of their environment? And so for me, I am a therapist. I work with young people uh, and their families. And yeah, just like I said, I we kind of unpack some heavy shit. <laughs> That's kind of it. That's what therapy's all about. We're big therapy advocates here at What Day Is It? And we know firsthand that therapy can be very overwhelming. I mean, it's amazing that it's becoming more of a normalized conversation and narrative, but it's still, if it's not something you've done or if you haven't done in a while, that first step just feels so big and so daunting sometimes. So when you hear people kind of hesitant, how do you guide them through getting into therapy and what are like your tips yeah i know you know probably listening to me you're kind of like oh like jake doesn't talk like a lot of the therapists that i know <laughs> um and that's part of the reason like i think a lot of my approach with this work is to be number one relatable um but relatable through being human um and so i think a lot of people just think that therapy is just talking to people but the really good thing about therapy is that it's someone who's actually trained to do it professionally Right. So I have expertise in the areas of trauma, development, mental health. And that's very different than just talking to a friend who is interested in mental health or, or a friend who has experienced mental health issues themselves. Right. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a specialized skill set and someone who you can actually unpack some, some difficult things with. And, you know, depending on the type of therapy that you do with your therapist, it's not even about going back and exploring the hard shit either. Um, it doesn't have to be about unpacking like your childhood trauma, so to speak. It doesn't have to be about like kind of digging up and, you know, going there. But um, it, so there are many different types of therapies, of course. Yeah, which is kind of leading into our next question. Um, and which is why I had the whole kind of idea that I sprung on Bailey to have this podcast and have you on is because throughout my process of going to therapy, I realized there's so many different types. Like literally, I feel like the... I don't even know them all. I couldn't even begin to list them. And so I wanted to have someone come on, talk about the different types, kind of divulge a little bit of the main ones to help give our listeners somewhere to go in a direction because it's so overwhelming. So can you maybe share the main 
therapy modalities is that the right way to say it and then kind of share like what how they might benefit you um or what would be the best fit like say if you're someone who's super emotional is there a certain type of modality that's way better for them oh these are these are such good questions yes absolutely um i would say that um on the whole uh one i would say one of the most popular um types of therapies is called cbt uh cbt is cognitive behavioral therapy baby and cbt so she comes in with her long flowy hair and she's like i think that our thoughts our feelings and our behaviors are all connected and i think that the way that like our thoughts happen influence how we feel and influence how we act and then you know she's on stage she's dancing away and she helps you she helps you become a better person at thinking and feeling um so cbt very popular part of the reason why it's so popular is because it's so replicable it's so like um you know across populations across like ages genders races like it just is one of those kind of skill sets because uh, the main foundation of cbt is basically that triangle that our thoughts feelings and behaviors are all connected and so it gives us a pretty good emotional skill set to be able to uh, tackle like the hard things in life. So it's super good for anxiety, super good for stress management, super good for just like reframing, overthinking, or like getting yourself out of like, uh, like a really kind of dark rabbit hole, um, which I also call monkey brain, which is this kind of <laughs> your like swing from branch to branch. I love. <laughs> so if you're in a CBT session with a therapist and I'm coming in, say with like really high anxiety that's stopping me from being like my best self and like functioning at my best capacity each day. What is something that a therapist might like kind of ask or kind of create in a conversation for CBT? One of the main uh, skills in therapy that all therapists try to work towards is, is building insight and building awareness for people. And so a CBT therapist would um, help you gain insight into the ways in which your thoughts are connected to your actions or connected to your feelings um, or kind of all like vice versa or triverse or whatever you call it um just it's really about sort of building awareness and building insight for the person um and so a lot of cbt therapists do that through a thought record and so they'll have you actually just like map out and write down uh what are your what were you feeling what were you thinking what was your response what are the alternate ways of thinking or feeling or responding and then how can we actually put a plan in place for you to actually implement that plan as opposed to the one that you defaulted to which was either to like go down this rabbit hole or overthink it or overreact. Do you think it's safe to say that CBT is like tool focused uh, and using a lot of, I don't know what the correct word is, but like, I guess analogies to get you through. And then for your, for the next time you're thinking of that thing, you, you think about your conversation with your therapist who practices CBT. Does that make sense? Or is all therapy like that? I'm not really sure. Cause by the way, friendships, I practice or I don't practice. I attend sessions that I deal with EFIT or EFT. So, Oh, amazing. Okay. So we can definitely get in. We can definitely get into some EFT stuff. That's totally my jam. Um, yeah, I would say that a lot of it is tool focused, strategy based, but um, more importantly, I think it's um, homework focused, right? So it's more practical. There's a practical component to it. Um, and so that differs from another sort of family of therapies, which is just like talk therapy. Uh, where you're just kind of sorting things out. And so CBT can be a type of talk therapy if it's just kind of more like we're unpacking some things or we're just kind of uh, working through some challenges. Um, whereas like EFT, which is actually first and foremost a couples therapy, um, emotionally focused therapy, um, and then EFIT, which is emotionally focused individual therapy. Um, and so that is just sort of based on this notion that we can actually use a lot of the principles that show up in couples and in relationships as individuals. And so we can actually use um, a lot of the like relationship kind of science as a way of transforming our personal lives too. So EFIT is so good, so amazing. EFT, love, like absolutely love both of them. So what are like the main differences between CBT and EFT or EFIT? I would say that CBT, more than any therapies, actually here, I can explain it this way. So the way that our brain is structured, so at the very bottom, we kind of have like the base of our brain. Then in the middle of our brain, we have the emotion part of our brain. And at the top of our brain is our thinking brain. So it's kind of broke up into those like three steps. Um, and so CBT is a top-down approach to therapy, which means that it's cognitive in nature, which means that we're going to use our thoughts 
to influence the brain from the way down. This is going to get nerdy for a psych y'all. So just hold on. No, love it. And so um, emotion focused therapy is one where we're kind of actually targeting the emotions first. And we're going to kind of like branch out that way. And so it sort of is, is based on this notion that if we can target some of the emotional components of living, of, of the way that like life happens, then we can actually just naturally change some of our thoughts or change some, some of our circumstances. Um, and so it's really about building awareness uh, from CBT perspective. It's really about thoughts and how can we kind of like track our thoughts and like kind of use our thoughts to really influence that change. Whereas emotionally focused therapy uh, in a couple's dynamic or in the individual context, it's really just sort of about like, how can we actually just really recognize emotions for the role that they play in our lives? Do you find that different personality types are better suited to not necessarily just CBT or EFT, there's obviously other modalities, but do you find certain personality types are better suited for either of those specifically? I would say that um, personality types, yes. And I think probably based on people's lived experience is probably best. So if you think about someone who has... Um, experience racism in their life and they're going to therapy to kind of unpack the traumatic stress of like being in like a black body let's say um, cbt probably isn't the approach that you use for that person because basically the approach would be well you just have to think differently and like that will change it right and so that doesn't necessarily speak to the complexities of like some of the it's called like the traumatic retention that a lot of marginalized communities hold on to and so thoughts alone won't necessarily relief release release them from that right um and so that's why i'm just such a big advocate for like we have to find the right therapy for the right person um and more importantly than any modality actually i want you to guess what do you think is the number one predictor of success in therapy 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 client relationship i don't know maybe actually maybe right modality yeah no that, that that's totally it jackie it's it's okay cool the relationship is the number one predictor of success in therapy and so more important than any modality that you choose, more importantly than anything that's like said in the therapy room, the number one predictor of success in therapy is the client relationship that, that we have with our therapists or with our clients. Um, and so that's why we spend such a large amount of time in the first kind of phase of therapy, really building relationship. Um, that's because we have to create a safe and kind of trusting container for that work to take place, right? Um, and because it's that makes sense. Yeah, and because it's not a, a social relationship, it's a clinical or a therapeutic relationship. We have we have to kind of really name it for what it is, which is a really rare type of relationship because you go really deeply with someone. It's very intimate, very emotionally heavy, but you don't necessarily have that same type of relationship with other people. And that's why it's healing. That's why it works. I honestly, like until recently, didn't even know there were so many different types of therapy. And I think a lot of people don't know that. So this conversation is definitely really important. So what are some of those other types that people might be best suited for? When we go back to that kind of brain model at the very bottom of the brain is where a lot of um, our kind of trauma patterns get stored. It's kind of like a really kind of like reactive part of our brain. And so that's where you'll see a lot of the bottom up approaches starting. Uh, so bottom up approaches to therapy are things like... Um, uh, EMDR, somatic-based approaches, um, ones that just like incorporate movement or like another one is called somatic experiencing. And so somatic is a really um, important branch of therapy. I practice it myself. Um, and part of the reason why I think it's so helpful and so useful is because somatics uh, is from the root word soma. So soma means like brain and body. And so there's a lot of research that points like this part of the brain as sort of like the connector between brain and body. And so a lot of people who have experienced trauma or like have experienced complex trauma, which complex trauma is just trauma in a relationship, um, get disconnected from their brain and from their body. And so that's why like bringing the body into therapy is such an important tool. And that's what somatic therapy really does. It helps you, it helps you actually feel things. Okay, wait, I want to touch on this yeah. because is that yeah. the same as like disassociating from emotions and feelings like? Cause I'm trying to work through this personally right now with my therapist and maybe this is something I need to branch out into, but like, I cannot for the life of me, like at six or like from six to like 12, I had a lot of family stuff going on, but I literally, I can remember memories, but 
it like no emotion no feeling same <laughs> yeah to yeah totally and it's um uh so there's number one so there's like the sort of section of like traumatic memory right that sort of says that like when it, there's anything kind of overwhelming going on in your life that as kids we just don't have the skills or capacity to kind of deal with it or handle it then those memories just go offline our our bodies and our brains don't have an actual use for them they don't sit there and go like oh we should remember that we should put that into long-term memory because if it's really overwhelming or really traumatic we want to try to get rid of it as best as possible similar to like any other actual like waste elimination system in our body right like going to the bathroom for example or like digesting food like we have to get rid of the stuff that we don't need and so our body actually thinks that it's waste um and so that's what happens is we actually forget things and our memory but it's kind of so interesting offline. because that's usually where everything roots from i know so it's like you need that's, it to fix it i know and that's the hard part right and so in terms of like um you know these different approaches with and specifically with things like within the sensitive period of like childhood that's where i would say that that doing some more like somatic work is is probably going to be a lot helpful especially if if a dissociation is is a part of the equation dissociation happens when uh things are just way too overwhelming for our body to like just cope with it because instead of thinking about it it has to code it into like a body memory and so it actually like goes into freeze mode or shutdown mode or just dissociation mode um in order to uh survive it's a survival response dissociation sorry we're gonna like pound you with questions i feel like this is like an intense let's interview. go let's do it but i'm listening to you say dissociation and i'm curious and now see we're getting off topic because i still want to talk about other therapies but dissociation and blocking out are these two different things because because i don't think i dissociate but i definitely have blocked out certain periods of my life or certain things and have a hard time remembering them and i don't want to use the wrong term out of respect for other people's trauma I love I love that you use the word blocking because that's actually the same word that I would use too. It's it's actually called trauma blocking. Um, it's it's at a point where if you kind of look at it on a spectrum, like I would say that if something's like really traumatic and really hard for like your body to kind of hold on to and kind of code as long term memory, then it doesn't necessarily have a use for it. And so that would be like dissociation. Whereas trauma blocking is just sort of where you're like, okay, nope, that's too hard and heavy. I'm just going to like kind of push it to the side. So trauma blocking is more kind of like avoidance type behaviors. It's just more kind of like, I'm going to block that part out of my memory so I don't have to face it. And facing it will just unearth too much emotion. So I'm not going to do it. So in trauma blocking, like you have more access, like, I think, to like the memories, but we kind of like block it out. Whereas in dissociation, uh, kind of like what you were saying, Bailey, like it really is just like you don't have access to those memories, even though you, you, need, you need them <laughs> or you would like access to them, let's say. Does that make sense? Does that no, answer no, your question? Yes, it does. absolutely does. So if someone hasn't tried somatic therapy before and they walk into a session, like what could they expect or what are like the different types of somatic therapy? Because I honestly don't know. I know um, I have a friend who's done, I can't remember, it's like brain mapping almost and it's with the eyes. Um, is that a version of it? Yep. So there's um, EMDR, which is um, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing which is where you're kind of getting your like there's a finger going across the screen or there's like a blip kind of a dot moving across the screen or there's like buzzers in your hands that kind of go back and forth they pulsate back and forth and what that does is it reprocesses traumatic memories um there's that one and there's also neurofeedback um neurofeedback is where you put like a little brain cap on your head and uh they kind of track like the brain waves in your in your I'm really I'm oversimplifying it, of course, but they're tracking kind of the brain waves. And then what you do is is by changing your thoughts or changing your actions or changing your feelings, like you can actually sort of um, change and re rewire your brain, basically. Wow, that's so interesting. It's pretty cool shit, actually. Yeah. In your opinion, do you feel like it's ever healthy to trauma block or dissociate? Uh, yes, it's probably one of the most healthy things we can do in the face of trauma. Um. And it's because let's think about the alternative. If you experience um, any kind of trauma, and so maybe I can just put a pin in it for a second just to define how I define trauma. Trauma is anything that overwhelms your own ability to cope with it. So it's anything that's too much, too fast, too soon, or too often. And so that gets us away from thinking about trauma as just an event, but rather a set of events. Um, or it could, it could also be a really big event, of course. Um, but in, in that case, 
if you were to actually just remember everything that was traumatic or hold on to everything that was traumatic, that would be really unhealthy for your system. And so trauma blocking and dissociation, those are two ways that we've naturally just as humans learned to survive through really hard things. So it's incredibly healthy. I wasn't expecting that answer, but that's nice to hear and comforting for sure. It's incredibly healthy. And just to kind of go into it a bit more, like if you think about um, the whole purpose of dissociation is to keep you out of the present moment because the present moment is too overwhelming. And so the whole reason why we dissociate is to keep us, yeah, to keep us disconnected from the present. And so it's actually, it's actually an instinctual survival mechanism that we have. So we hear with therapy a lot about like going back though and like healing childhood trauma and the things that we have either blocked out or dissociated from at what point or like do you think it's healthy to heal that or how do you kind of know to lean into that or if it's still too much for you oh wow what a good question um what i think is the most important thing is choice um and readiness um as a therapist, I'm never going to force anyone to go anywhere where they don't want to go or to heal anything that they don't want to heal or, the, or that they're quite frankly not ready to heal or not ready to face. Um, and so, you know, I think about people in my own family. I think about like my own um, people that I'm connected to in my own circles. And, you know, there are people who are carrying a lot of it, trauma and intergenerational traumas um, just by being a human, let's say. Um, and that could be intergenerationally through like you know, having mem family members who survived war or like having friends whose family members like survived racism um, or are surviving racism currently. I think that part of what's happening is, yeah, I always kind of default back to just like how normal and natural it is for our body to respond this way, right? And so um, what's also really normal and natural is for us to, to not want to do that work and to want to unearth it, right? And so many people have actually figured out ways to survive um, while carrying a lot of heavy shit with them. Yeah, it's and, just hard because it's like I feel to do the work you do have to get somewhat uncomfortable because it's never going to oh yes. be like a oh party yes. where you're excited. <laughs> but it's also there is that difference like you're saying where it is healthy to stay in that spot because your body and your mind can't handle it. So it's like I guess I don't know how you really ever make that distinction. I think that for a lot of people, it's um, people get pushed to their breaking point. People will say, I can't do this any longer. They can't go on living this way. And this just feels too heavy for me to carry around. So I need to do something different. And I need to focus on healing myself or healing this part of me that, that feels so um, burdened by it all, right? And I think that feels like a bit of a natural segue into another therapy modality that I really wanted to talk about too, which is IFS. Have you heard about inter internal family systems? No, I'm excited no. to though. Y'all, it is like, <laughs> like it is so, so good. It's so amazing. Spill the tea. Tell um, us everything. Oh my gosh. Get ready. Okay, get your teapots. Get get the burners <laughs> on. The front burner and the back burner because it, we're, <laughs> there's a lot of tea that's about to be spilt and brewed. Okay. So um, IFS, internal family systems. Uh, so basically it's kind of based on this notion that in our lives, we have an external family and we also have an internal family that's living within us. And so if we kind of use the analogy of a family, we can look at the ways in which actually our mental health is made up of many different parts is what it's called. And so if you've heard of parts work, that's where it comes from is internal family systems. And so what it sort of suggests is that there are four main family members who participate. Have you seen Encanto? Any, any no, I need to. I know I'm like way behind the times here. Yeah. Okay. Number one homework for everyone okay. listening. <laughs> you need to watch Encanto stat. It's so good. Um, but it, it really discourses really well. Like speaks. You can social. give the reference though, because I guarantee you so many people who are Perfect. listening have watched it. Perfect. And so basically what it is, is um, internal family systems. There's a family living within you. There are four kind of main family members. The one who should be in charge of your family is called the self, understandably. Um, that is the self is naturally kind of like calm, curious, connected, like safe. It's like your anchor. It's like who you want to be. It's your best self, that kind of thing. And so that is the self. That's who should be running your internal family. But we also have three, three other main family members who try to take charge of your internal family. So the first one is the manager. The manager is the person in your internal family who's like, no, I have it all figured out. Y'all don't know shit. 
I'm going to just kind of completely run the show and I'm going to be in control of everything. So this is like the control part. This is the person that's going to be like, nope, shut it all down. My anxiety is way too high to be dealing with this kind of mess. Like I'm going to take control right now. Then we also have the firefighter. So the, so actually the manager is kind of like, just picture like a bossy manager. Like that's, that's who they are. Just someone who just wants to control you and be in charge. Whereas the firefighter is kind of the person who comes in and extinguishes like all the big feeling. So this is like trauma blocking. This is like firefighter kind of bullshit. They come in and they sort of do the whole like, nope, fire's way too big. I'm just going to go and numb and sit on the couch. I'm going to go and extinguish the entire show. So the firefighters come in and they basically shut that shit down. Got it. Then there, the last one is the exiles. So the exiles is kind of like the inner child. It's kind of like the really like kind of like quote unquote broken parts of you just like all these like really like vulnerable emotions that all of the firefighters and managers try to protect so this is kind of like the baby sister the baby brother in the family who are just so vulnerable that like no one can face them no one can but they're really kind of running the show so to speak and so internal family systems as a therapy is about building a new relationship with all those different family members so that the family can work in harmony and not all like be all out of line does that make sense yeah, that's really cool. I have never heard of that, but I'm so intrigued it's by it. So it's so good. I um just finished my level one, so I'm and um I'm like a I'm certified to to do IFS, but I also am a client of IFS myself. And it is like life changing. Like it's so, so good. And so basically it's about like building a new relationship within yourself so that the your actual self can lead the the show, right? And kind of step in as the the owner of the body that is very cool i feel like my manager was leading my life in like my 20s for sure and i feel like i've finally kind of healed that relationship right and so like speaking of dissociation that's like a firefighter's job that person's like in charge of dissociating parts um and so if you think about like perfectionism that's a manager any like Mm -hmm. just think of think of just think of anything (laughs) yes just think of anything that like that would trouble somebody they they'll fall into one of those three categories so so interesting i know what my google search history is gonna have in it later today do you feel like (laughs) in your opinion jake we've covered the main modalities that you think would be most beneficial for our listeners to hear or do you think there's more that we should talk about i think the the other one that i for sure actually maybe i'll mention two more one of the ones that i would for sure draw people's attention to is called dbt which is dialectical behavioral therapy. And really the way I understand it is from like an explanation standpoint is it's the emotional equivalent of CBT. So um, DBT is really about distress tolerance and about like managing your emotions, whereas CBT is really about managing your thoughts. And so DBT, uh, dialectical, really just means like multiple things can be true. And that's what our emotions just really need is just permission to like let multiple things be true at once. Um, so that's called dialectics. Um, and then the last one would be narrative therapy, which is a form of talk therapy, which really sort of focuses on the narrative or the story about what's going on. It sounds also overwhelming. So thank you for sharing that, because even though I figured out the modality that works for me, it's so overwhelming to hear you talk about all the different ones. So I can't imagine starting from the, from scratch and trying to figure it out. So I hope this gives someone some tools to figure it out. No kidding, right? I think I have so much like compassion for people who are starting therapy because it's so like because I'm in it every day. Like I totally sometimes I lose sight of like how how hard it is to even go to a first session for someone who's never been to therapy before. So um yeah, I mean, in terms of like finding a therapist too, like that is a whole other journey. We want right? to talk about like, that actually. So let's do it. Let's do it. Um we want to talk about red flags and green flags and therapists and then to further the conversation later on, I want to ask you how to break up with your therapist and hear it from a therapist directly. Love, 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 love. Um, so let's maybe start with uh, therapy red flags. I would say that you probably really want to watch out for someone who is just talking about themselves the whole time. Um, and mainly because this is supposed to be like a space for you. It's supposed to be kind of your space to unpack your stuff. It's not really a space. It's not a social space. It's not a social relationship, right? So if I was up in the therapy room, like talking about like all my shit, if I was like talking about like, oh, that happened to me too. Like, oh yeah. Oh my gosh. That, that happened to a friend of mine. Like, and let me tell you about it. Like that, that just, that's not therapy. Just like, that's, I guess just the best way to explain it. That's just not therapy. 
Um, and so what we do use in therapy, and this is a green flag, is um, appropriate use of self-disclosure. So there may be times where I may say, I think about like a, a gay client that I'm working with um, who I was just uh, seeing yesterday and I was actually saying to him like, yeah, like I can actually totally relate to like what you're saying. This is a really normal experience for gay men. And he was like, what, really? And so that's an example of how I like normalize the situation through my own self-disclosure to say like, yeah, like we all go through that as gay men. Um, and so that's sort of like a, a therapeutic tool that we're actually taught in school. And that's the difference between just like over disclosure, right? Or like just making it about me. Um, other red flags. I mean, do you, like, do you have any like questions about like red flags? Like, I'm curious. Well, a lot of therapists offer consults typically so you can meet with them before having like a full session. What are maybe some questions that someone, if they're having a consult with a therapist, could ask that might help them see if it's right fit? Such a good question. I would say uh, the number one uh, question that I would suggest that people ask is uh, what is your therapeutic approach? I think that you can probably get a really good sense of kind of where people are at. Some people will kind of be really stuffy about it and kind of be really precious about like, I only practice CBT and nothing else. Um, I think Which that to me, that's a red in, flag because that might not be what you need. <laughs> in, in, my, in my opinion, I'm just saying again, in my opinion, I think it's really important for a therapist to be eclectic which means that you can kind of use a, a combination of, of tools and skills and approaches, like depending on the client. Um, so if, um, you know, if there's someone who's like, I only do structured CBT and I only do CBT, okay, fine. But like your, your client base is probably going to be a very specific type of client, right? Um, so yeah, you probably want to get a good sense of their approach and you want to get a good sense of how they explain it. Um, and so they'll probably use a lot of therapy language and they'll use a lot of jargon and just a lot of just big words. And I think probably what I would encourage people to do is just ask, like, I don't know what that means. Can you explain it to me? Um, and see how well they can explain it to you. Right? I think that that's probably um, important. And I guess like the last thing in a consult and some uh, therapist probably like will just shoot me in the face for saying this, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> part of what what I what I think is um, really good advice is just check in with the vibe and check in with how do I feel with this person? What is the sound of their voice? Who are they? You know, can I relate to them to some degree? I think you we need to like really get open and clear about like. The relationship is a number one predictor of success. So we have to look at like, okay, well, what are those relationship factors that are going to make it worth your time, right? Like, it's okay if like you do a consult with someone, you're like, I don't, I can't stand the sound of their voice. I could not get therapy from them. That's okay. You know, and in a lot of ways, I think we just have to check the vibes and sort of see like, you know, who is this person? Do I want to do my work with them? And if the answer is yes, then that's a really good sign of fit, right? Yeah, I found some red flags to be, and you know, Maybe you can elaborate on this from your opinion, but I've just had some, I don't think it was intentional, but dismissive therapists of my feelings and kind of just, and I, and I know their intention was right, but, and I've actually shared this on another podcast. So I was talking about some insecurities and some body dysmorphia I struggled with and, and they, I think we're trying to do the thing of reassuring me that I am beautiful and that those things shouldn't be <laughs> he's shaking his head no <laughs> and so I, I broke up with that therapist very quick after that um right <laughs> but is there any wow. time where you feel like you should be he's laughing <laughs> you should be building up your client or do you just have to draw that boundary and listen because I imagine as a therapist, it's so hard if someone's coming to you and they're saying like, I'm struggling with how I view myself worth. You want to naturally build them up a little bit, but it's kind of inappropriate because I didn't feel comfortable. So that was a red flag for me. Yeah. And rightfully so. Like that, like that is just such a good like example of how tapped in you were to like what you needed and like what you were feeling in that moment. And because the truth is like a lot of people aren't tapped into that instinct, right? That sort of says like, oh, that that felt a little bit off or that felt a little bit strange or there was something about that interaction that didn't really sit well for me. Um, so I think we need to listen to that, of course. Um, and I would say that in a lot of ways, like it's so fascinating just the ways that, that therapists try to build a relationship, right? And try to like join in with their client or like kind of like give them all this like positive reassurance and validation. And 
you know, that's, 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 that's a, a therapeutic skill. Like we have to use that shit really sparingly. Like I always ask myself, like, what is the therapeutic benefit to me saying this to this person? And, you know, just building somebody up that isn't therapy. That's like, you know, that's like kind of just like pumping someone's tires just to like, yeah, friend can feel do that. good. Right. Yeah. That's like, that's a, a friend's job. Like that's, I don't know. And so I'm curious, like, just to ask you if you're comfortable, like what would you have needed in that moment instead? A deeper exploration about the root causes of why I feel that way for sure. And which is the intention of why I brought it up. And I was kind of nervous too, because saying those things out loud make them real. And then just to have them turn around and say, well, you shouldn't feel that way because you are beautiful was just so hard for me because I was so vulnerable. Right. And and then I honestly haven't really brought it up, brought it up in therapy since, which I feel bad. Right. I, I feel bad saying that, but they're not listening to the podcast. So who cares? But yeah, it was kind of messed up for sure. And, you know, part of, I think, what what does happen in therapy all the time, so I do want to normalize this, is this notion of um, the really common, like, therapeutic dynamic of rupture and repair. Like, we experience rupture with our therapists, and I experience it with my clients all the time. And I think what we need to really get clear about is, is this worth repairing? And whose job is it to repair? Right? So in that moment, you would have probably hoped that your therapist would have realized, like, oh, maybe actually that didn't land as well, or maybe that didn't have the therapeutic benefit that I thought it would. And so even probably just asking you the question of like, what would you have needed instead probably would have given you a little bit of acknowledgement of like, oh, true, yeah, you said some fucked up shit. And like, I I want this other thing instead, right? Um, and so, yeah, I, that's that's so hard to do as a therapist, I have to say. And I don't mean to defend, I don't mean to defend your, your th- the therapist oh, here. Oh, don't but, worry. No, um, don't worry. And, and so part of it is on the therapist's job is to be able to recognize like when micro ruptures occur. Um, but our, our, that's our job though, right? Our job is to look for signs of rupture and then repair it. And the healing component is the repair process. Which I imagine sometimes there's no repair, which is why I wanted to talk about breaking up your therapist because sometimes that is what you have to do. And it's hard and it's uncomfortable and the empath in me really struggles with this. Um, I feel bad for the therapist. So what do you suggest is a safe way someone who really struggles with drawing their boundaries or is an empath and worries about how the therapist is going to feel? How can you break up with your therapist without hurting their feelings? (laughs) Do you you just ghost? (laughs) I do do that. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I've done that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you know what's funny is because I was actually going to use the example of dating, right? Like we have we have to apply the same rules to to the situation because it's a relationship after all, right? Um, it's a relationship that I guess the main differentiator is that with your therapist, the relationship isn't going to continue, and whereas with a dating relationship, you get to decide whether or not that relationship continues on what terms and what that looks like, right? Um, so you have to decide, like. What do I need from this interaction? And maybe it is just a hard cutoff. And so maybe there are circumstances where ghosting them is actually like the, the best thing for you. I've had clients ghost me. I've wondered, oh, where'd they go? I, you know, I wonder what happened to them. Very common. Um, and in a lot of ways, as a therapist, I, like, I can't take that personally. That's not really my do, do thing you? to hold on do to. You, I mean, there is a part of me <laughs> that sometimes I'm like, well, what happened? Like, where did you go? Yeah. And you want to know how I knew how I know now not to take it personally is I made the baby therapist mistake of emailing a client saying, hey, haven't heard from you in a while. What happened? Oops. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. Well, now we have to know the response. <laughs> uh, their response was I ran out of money. <laughs> oh, fair. And I was like, oh, I really overthought this, baby. Aww. I really Aww. overthought this. I get that, though. And 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 that was it. And so I was like, oh, true. It's not always about me. And number two, now I have to have a really hard conversation with somebody about my Right. <laughs> yes. So you, I'm sure therapists become numb to it. So so you suggest ghosting. I'm just kidding. You suggest doing what's best for you. And, and that may result in, you know, ghosting a bit. Or how can you say in a nice way that it's not a fit? I mean, it sounds so simple. Just say it's not a fit. But it's so hard to type those words when you're going to write an email. Yeah, I think um, in a lot of ways, I think therapists can reinforce a lot of really troubling patterns. I think like 
I don't know. I think about like in, in a relationship where you feel like there was a rupture that took place. I don't know. Like, would you ever say to like a partner, like the way you end this relationship is like the ultimate kind of stamp on who you are as a person. No, it's True. not. So just, end, just end the relationship, do it or don't like that's, I'm, that's kind of what I'm, I'm of the mind. Like, so in terms of like ghosting, I guess like maybe ghosting hurts people's feelings sometimes a lot of the times especially if you're the one being ghosted, it sucks. Um, and I'll like, we also have to trust that people are doing what they need to do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, totally. I don't know. I, and that may not be a, it may not be a popular answer, but I, I would just, you know, I think about like, if it was my sister who was dating somebody and I'm like, Oh my, like, how dare you ghost them? Like, I don't know. Like I would never say that. Mm -hmm. So I would never hold a client to that standard of like, Oh my God, why did you ghost your therapist? Cool. Sorry, I know this is a really con this is probably a controversial. I don't think so because I've definitely ghosted <laughs> my therapist, and I, I've told my I've told so many of my friends like you're trying to figure out what you need. Just do what's best for you, and if that's ghosting, then so be it. So be it. And you know, to be honest, I think I think therapists can be mature enough. It is their profession, after all. They can be mature enough to like understand. Like, and okay, I also guarantee you're not the first yeah. one to ghost them. So, <laughs> no, mm -hmm. no. No, it's I, I guess I just kind of default to it's not that serious. Yeah. OK, cool. it's not that deep. I like that. Though. You know, like it's 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 making it more lighthearted. And I feel like that helps to hear. Definitely. Yeah. OK, yeah. we're going to end on a lighter note. What is your current obsession, Jake? It can be anything, a snack, a TV show, a movie, literally absolutely anything. My current obsession um, since like 2014 Oh, um, it's a long time current obsession. This is exciting. Oh, right. Sorry. I, I misunderstood the word current. <laughs> no, no. Um, if you're still obsessed, I love this. I love this it. This actually is like, it's been going on for what? Like eight years. Wow. Okay. Let's go. Long time. Um, but Okay. So my, my current ongoing long time obsession <laughs> is uh, the show RuPaul's Drag Race because it's oh. probably one of the best TV shows on the face of the earth. Confession. Um, I just started it. Oh, good for you. It's thank so you good. so much. Thank you for thank you so much for coming. <laughs> I love it. Um uh but like if if I have to go current obsession, uh have you had the new um uh Doritos Cool Ranch Flaming Hot? No. No. Cause I don't eat dairy, but I always loved Cool Ranch and I always loved Flaming Hot Cheetos. So I feel like that uh, is an wait. epic combination. Bailey, I don't eat dairy either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying I'm the pinnacle of health here. <laughs> yeah, I also oh don't eat God. dairy, but so what? <laughs> Treat yourself. I want to try. I these. love that. Yeah. Bailey dabbles every yeah, now I, and I, then, so maybe I'll bring over no, a bag I definitely do. next time I see her. Oh, I, oh, I, I pop a lactate and then I'm good. <laughs> Smart. <Anyway. laughs> oh my gosh, Kate. Well, Jake, I literally don't even want to end this call. I'd want to keep talking for hours, <laughs> but I feel like it was so informative. I don't want to over well my listeners so we're gonna end it here but thank you so much it was so insightful i feel like we'll have to have you back on at one point maybe do like a q a with our listeners where we can actually like dive into some of their more personalized questions because there's definitely more we could have touched on but we're so grateful that you shared your knowledge and your time and your energy and i learned so much so i'm definitely sure definitely sure what i'm sure our listeners learn lots too and i'm gonna watch encanto Yes. Can you share where our listeners can find you, ask you questions, listen to you maybe on some podcasts? So plug yourself. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can certainly find me like at the buffet stand. Now that COVID is done, I'm going I'm going back to buffets, <laughs> bitch. I'm going back to buffets. Um, uh, actually, no, I'm not. That's gross. Um, I think <laughs> I, where there was people no can judgment. Find me. No. I know, right? Live your best I buffet know, right? life. No judgment. <laughs> Um, people, people can find me, um, on social media at MSWJ. That's kind of where I write about therapy things. It's like a fun little place. Little I love your, there. your social. It's definitely great. It's, um, and if people want to book with you, how can they? Uh, they can't because I'm full. I'm not taking I love that, that for you. you. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. If people want to get in touch with me, they can send me an email and then I'll see. Cool. Okay? Perfect. You Perfect. have to have a really traumatic story to get in on his list. Sounds <laughs> <Yeah>. like. <laughs> 
<laughs> we yeah, hope right. our listeners don't have those though. So we want some people are gonna listen to this and be like, "What? That guy's a therapist?" No, I love I loved your approach. <laughs> no, thank you for everything. No. I literally have so many questions still, but we'll just have to have you back on. So thank you so much. Yes, yeah, let's thank do you it. so much. Friends, we hope that you got so much value out of this episode with Jake. I know that I learned so much. And this, like we said, is meant to be a tool to helping you find that best fit for therapy and your therapist. So if you are starting therapy, we are sending you all the best wishes. And if you know someone who is also considering therapy, send them this episode and let them know. Send them this episode and hopefully they'll find as much value in it as we did. And make sure you hit that plus sign on your app. Go on your phone, follow the podcast, whether you're on Spotify, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, do it on both. Help us out. Write a review. Give us five stars. Screenshot this episode. Post it to your story because honestly, not to toot our own horn, but I know this was a good freaking episode. So screenshot it and post it on your social media. Spread the word. Everyone can afford to learn a little bit more about therapy and go follow jake and shop all of our merch at whatdayisitpodcast.com follow us on the gram we will see you next what day is it wednesday to the loo